Good morning, everyone. Let's pray together. How good it is to be in this sacred space this day, O oh God. We give thanks for each and every life represented with the smiles and the faces with the people that are here. We ask your presence now among us. Give us wisdom, insight, hope, peace, joy, love. Through the gift of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Beth, if you'll turn me down just a tiny bit. Feel a reverberation here. How good it is to be in this Advent wreath where you, who are those of us that are a part of the Fresh Start service, we've been experiencing this each week where we literally have been making up this wreath that consist of the candles of hope and peace and joy and love centered around the Christ candle. Today we want to talk about what this means in everyday life for each one of us. This is an interesting time of year and it's perfect for the season of Christmas because as you know from, from the way the um, winter solstice works, this is a time where Nights are a lot longer, and days are a lot shorter. Now, it's not quite as noticeable for us because most of us have electricity, and so we walk into houses and we flip a switch and the light comes on. But there was a time where it was very noticeable that this time of year, in fact, way, way back, thousands of years ago, people literally thought the sun was dying. Why? Because, well, the crops were dying. Light seems, seemed to be lessening. There seemed to be this frightening reality of winter is coming and the light may not return. The tradition began to evolve and we're a part of this tradition where we now celebrate Christmas where we say the light has come into the world because Christmas is conveniently located just after the winter solstice, where people began to notice the sun started to rise on the horizon once again. There was a little more light in the world, and it wouldn't be long before things began to bloom again, and the world would literally be resurrected. So our Christian tradition is based on a Christian season that understands the power of light and salvation and the recognition that there's something about God's love and purpose and being in our world that brings life and hope and peace and joy and love. Because Jesus has entered into our experience. Well, let's review a bit with our scripture. Catherine read quite a bit earlier in the service from Psalm 147. And one of the, one of the scriptures that sometimes slips by us is the, the beauty of this Psalm, particularly the ending of the Psalms, moving up to Psalm 150, where is this, this consistent call to praise. And it's a, a call to praise because we're grateful to God for the blessings that we've received. But there's something deeper in this Psalm because it has two parts to it. It says simply, it is good and right and fitting that we give praise to God because God has done great things 
But listen to the great things that Psalm 147 calls out. God brings in the outcast. God heals the brokenhearted. God binds up the wounds of those who've been hurt. And God puts the stars in the heavens and calls them by name. So think about this. This is, this is a great picture in just two verses of how remarkable it is to be a part of this journey of faith and say, here is our God who cares intimately for those who are the most hurting, the most outcast, the most left out. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament is the fact that it's those kinds of people who became the first ones, who were they? The shepherds to hear the good news of the coming of Jesus. It was the very ones that Psalm 147 says, God cares about these people who were on the outside looking in, and they're welcomed, and not only welcomed, they're called to be a part of the family and tell the good news to people who previously were kicking them out of their houses and their spaces. And it is this God who places our universe before us and allows us together to experience the wonders of our world. Some of you have read this book by David McCullough and John Adams, and it's a series of really taking this second president of the United States and using his diary, his correspondence with his wife, Abigail, and this guy by the name of Thomas Jefferson, who Samuel, uh, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson at one point were at odds with each other for a number of years. And then as they got older and a little wiser, they began to realize how silly it is to focus on political differences and philosophy, and how important it is to focus on the person, the human being, and the power of friendship that can transcend the silliness and pettiness of our differences. And so it is that John Adams, in his diary, writes these words about faith and his take on Psalm 147. Admire and adore the author of the telescopic universe, Love and esteem the work. Do all in your power to lessen ill and to increase good, but never assume to comprehend. In other words, what John Adams began to realize as he got older and wiser is, yes, we are called to do the small things that make a difference in our lives together, to minimize ill and to increase good, and we're called to a powerful sense of mystery that we can't really understand or fully explain how this works, that God cares for the least of us and all of us and everything that happens with us. And God places the stars in the heavens and calls them by name. This mystery reverberates in the back of Psalm 147, and it becomes power in our second scripture for the day, which is from Isaiah 60. And it's this beautiful call. It's an imperative. And it's, it's not a, a passive acknowledgement that 
oh, this is good. God is doing something in our world. I can't wait to see what it is. No, Psalm, or Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This is a powerful imperative that says to you and me, because God cares intimately for every one of us, and God does this miraculous universe around us, there's something powerful happening around us and within us, and we've got to be a part of it. So arise, shine, let your light shine, because it's not your light, it's God's light shining through you, and let this happen. This is a powerful reminder that there is more in us and through us than we possibly can speak about and put into vocabulary. And yet, we're called to acknowledge this mystery and to live in it and through it. Which brings us now to our final verse, the culmination of this movement. In John 1, there is this fascinating, reverberating echo of Genesis 1 and the creation story. It starts in John 1 with, in the beginning was the word. So before we get to the passage that's before us, this first verse of the first chapter of the Gospel of John is a very intentional effort by the author to echo Genesis 1, 1 through 3. It goes like this. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God, the breath of God, the wind of God blew across the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. This is the way John chapter 1 begins. And it moves through in this powerful conclusion. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Coupling this with Psalm 147 and Isaiah 60, there is this call to you and me, both in the recognition of the mystery of God's providence and the power of God's work in you and me and our calling to work with God's light to be God's light in the world. And here's the way this passage concludes. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. The way the actual language that John composed this is a little more nuanced, and for me, a lot more powerful. And so if you don't mind, we're going to just learn a little bit of Greek this morning. You can go say to somebody, well, it was all Greek to me, because it will be in about two minutes, because here's the way it works. This phrase, the light shines in the darkness, in the language that this actually was composed in, in Greek, you can play with the sentence structure in Greek, kind of like German, those of you who take German, you can move the verb around depending on where you want the emphasis on the sentence to be. And so the way this, this passage works, it says, tophos in ti scotia feni. So here's our, here's our learning curve here. Tophos, you should hear phos as 
photon. How many of you know this? this okay, some of you know Greek without realizing it. This is where light comes from. To the phos, the light. So let's say it together. Tophos. Tophos. Okay, you just said the light. Tofo, tophos. Now here's in the darkness. In, which is in, in T, in T, in the scotia. Okay, let's try that. In T scotia. In T scotia. One more time. In T scotia. So it's tophos. In T scotia. Now here comes the verb. Fanny. Fanny. Tophos. In T scotia. Fanny. Okay, now you got to do the hands. So, Fanny. And here's why it's important because it says this. In Greek, the emphasis is on the verb. The light in the darkness shines. You hear the power. You hear the power of that. And, and so you pick up with Isaiah 60. Uh, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Why? Because the light in the darkness shines. And the darkness cannot overcome it. Brothers and sisters, this is the powerful and mysterious word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.